Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hello, Moto America fans, and welcome to this latest edition of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You can probably tell by the dulcet tones of my voice that I am not Paul Carruthers, the communications manager. I am Sean Bice, but uh, I've got Paul here with me. And Paul is in Southern California while I am in Central Ohio. And Paul, pretty soon we're going to both be in the state of Georgia next week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It, it kind of, uh, it's you know how these things work. It like took forever to get here. And then all of a sudden it it's coming a little too quick because you've got last minute stuff to do, but we're busy getting ready for, um, for the big event as you are lots of content, lots of promotions and things like that to get us, uh, to get down there and, and get some people to the race. I'm, I'm, you know, there seems to be a lot of interest and I'm just not saying that because I'm the communications manager for Moto America, but there seems to be a lot more interest in Moto America than I can recall in, in previous years. And it's not because we didn't have good interest in previous years. It's just, it just feels like there's a, a kind of a different vibe to it. Do you catch that as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think because maybe, maybe it was sort of like, you know, we unleashed some things with last year, you know, everybody was kind of on this lockdown and not sure, although we had a, we had a full and complete season, but you know, now that we're back full and we've got a couple of, you know, we've got Loris Baz and then yesterday, you know, we announced that Hector Barbera is going to be racing in our series. So it's become even more international than it's already been. And we've already got a lot of riders from other countries. So I just think, you know, it helped us so much with, um, our TV last year and being able to be in other countries that there's, there's a huge vibe going on. And, and also, you know, this, this more level playing field with uh, Superbike, of course. And, and even, you know, you look at Supersport. I mean, you know, Richie's going to defend his crown, but uh, we'll talk with our guest about the Supersport class a little bit. But um, even that, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see who steps up. Junior Cup's going to be the same way because, you know, you've got some rider, a bunch of riders that switched, uh, moved up as well. So um, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a fresh start in a lot of areas, it seems like, don't you think? Yeah, and I, I'm working on this uh, Superbike preview story now, and I think what, what's also kind of m making it exciting is, you know, 72% of our Moto America Superbike races were won by a combination of Cameron Bobby and, and Tony Elias. Hmm. So 72% of the races we held were won by those two guys, and now those two guys aren't here. Right. So I think that just, you know, it shows how wide open it will be. I think there's only... There's only two guys in the Superbike class, uh, Bobby Fong and Matthew Skultz, that have actually won AMA Superbike races. So it's, uh, it, it's a wide open Superbike class for sure. And I, I think that's got people um, very excited, much like the Supersport that you just mentioned and the other classes. But I, I really think for once, I mean, think of it this way, ever since we started Moto America, uh, the first year, you know, you kind of thought, okay, it's going to be Cameron or Josh Hayes. And then every year after that, it, you you thought it was going to be Cameron or Tony. And this right. year, with those two guys gone, I mean, it just changes everything. 
yeah, you, you, it's just a complete unknown. And then, you know, some people have kind of had the opinion, well, Baz is who he is. So, you know, he may dominate, but who knows? I mean, he doesn't know the tracks. I mean, he knew certainly Coda when we were at the test and he looked pretty stout there. Uh, but, you know, the other guys also look pretty good. So I think familiarity is going to help our, our regular guys to really kind of take it to Baz. So we'll see. I, it's going to be a nice battle for sure. Yeah. And again, I think, um, I believe in our guys and I, I think they're a lot better than what people overseas may think they are. Yeah. So I think this is just another opportunity for those guys to show that. And that's not, and that's nothing against Loris Baz. I think Loris Baz is going to do really well. And I think he's going to lot, win a lot of races and I think he could easily be, you know, a superbike champion here, but I don't think that's going to happen without a big fight from a bunch of guys. Yeah, for sure. So well, let's talk about the, get our, our guest going here a little bit. So today we're going to have uh, Xavier Zayat, who's one of my favorite riders in the paddock. I don't think he realizes that, but he is. And it's, you know, he's pretty quiet um, and, and he's, he's so quiet that it's amazing. He's been with us since the very beginning. He's been with us since 2015 when we first started. So he's been a regular um, in our series and he's moved up through some of the classes. I mean, he's raced in, in uh, KTM RC cup. He raced in super stock 600. Uh, he raced in twins cup and, you know, this year he's going to race in super sport and he was at our test and he was very fast. He was like the second fastest rider in um, most of the sessions and, uh, or third fastest, I should say. I think SDK was second, but Xavier was right in the mix. And then we kind of got word that we're not sure what's going on with his team. And he can kind of tell us that a little bit. But the funny thing was, <laughs> I kept seeing um, his, one of his team people walking around with Steve Scheibe and Steve had come to the test and he hadn't signed Barbera yet. So I kept thinking, Oh, the X man's going to get on that big BMW superbike and ride it around. But uh, he had his hands full doing super sport and it never really materialized. So um, let's bring him in. Um, he just landed uh, in North Carolina, which he's from New York state. I don't know if you were traveling from there, Xavier, but uh, you're on the ground in North Carolina and uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. And thanks, Paul, for having me on board. You know, I got to tell you real quick, right up front, the reason he likes you is because you're quiet, because that just gives him more time to talk. <laughs> he just stares at me. That's, all, that's what it is. <laughs> we all do, I'm good, Sean. I'm a good listener. Maybe that's just what Sean needs in his life. There you go. You are a good listener. You absolutely are. So, so Xavier, tell us what, what I didn't even, I don't even know the answer to this. So I'm going to throw it out there. So I hope I don't embarrass you, but what brings you to North Carolina? Are you riding today or later or what's, what's the plan? Um, yeah, this weekend uh, we're racing in the N2 Wera Endurance Series uh, at Carolina Motorsports Park. Um, I flew in today, Thursday, and we have a track day practice tomorrow. And uh, Saturday we have a four hour endurance race and I'll be racing in R1 with uh Team Army of Darkness. Oh, you are with that boy. That team's been around forever. They're legendary. Those guys. <laughs> yep, uh, I'm a guest uh, rider for them this weekend, um, so it should be really fun. Does Sam still ride, or is he just team manager at this point? I think he's our hired, um, like, kind of fast guy. So he goes in at the end when everybody else struggles, and uh, kind of brings them on board and puts the team to the top is what I'm told by Chris Paris and uh, Ben Walters. You know, if we're, if they're in second place or something, Sam goes on and just, you know, sets a lap record for a few laps, puts everybody back on top and 
sets everybody straight. <laughs> so you, you've been kind of a specialist on, you know, certainly I think of you as being a super sport rider, although you've done, you did twins cup and you do have a win in the twins cup class, but you know, this is interesting. You know, this, like I let in by saying you almost rode that super bike at Coda and you're going to be riding uh, a, a leader bike uh, at uh, Carolina Motorsports Park. So you've you've had some experience on big bikes. How how do you like them compared to the smaller ones? Um, yeah, the last two years I raced for N2 and Bobblehead Moto, and uh, we had an endurance team, and uh, I got to race uh, an R1 five or six times uh, endurance series, and uh, I fared pretty well on it. I really enjoyed it. I love the power. I think it's just it's something different to what I'm used to riding. And, um, it takes some getting used to. And then obviously in the future, you know, if I want to keep going up the ladder and, you know, I'm going to need to get on big bikes soon. So, uh, it doesn't hurt to start as early as you can get on the big bikes. Um, and just get some time on it. I mean, electronics, all that stuff is a lot to figure out. Um, they're a little bit heavier and obviously when you twist the throttle, the thing just wants to go straight. So, <laughs> <laughs> that takes some getting used to, uh, but I mean, I really enjoy it. Uh, the first time I was on a big bike was three or four years ago, and wow. that was, and and um, I rode it like twice that year. And um, every time I got on it, it was like the first session took so much getting used to, where you would just get on a straightaway, turn the throttle, and it was like you were hitting warp speed, transporting from the last corner to the first corner of whatever track you were at, like in like milliseconds is what it felt like. Um, but it was really, really fun and I really enjoy it. And I'm thankful for this opportunity to jump on one again. Does it, does it feel like, is that bike relatable to an R6? I mean, I think about talking to Garrett Gerloff, you know, he rose, rode an R6 for so long and then he got on the R1 and I mean, he kind of simplified it a little bit by saying it felt like a pretty, a bigger, bigger R6 with a lot of power, but does it feel ergonomically like that to you? Do they seem similar? Um, so I started like I said, my first bike was a ZX10. Um, it was a friend of mine's bike and I rode it a couple times. And then a few years later, flash forward to the N2 deal um, with Chris and Shiloh, they had an R1 uh, for the endurance series. And when I jumped on that, it was actually, it felt to me nothing like the ZX10. It was a lot more mellow. Um, it seemed like ergonomically the tank and the seat were a little bit longer. So it fit me a little bit better being a taller rider. Um, the power was not as aggressive and it, you know, although they both felt like warp speed, <laughs> the one was like a little bit less warp speed, which the R1 I think is a little bit slower. It's got a little bit less horsepower. Um, but it did handle really, really well. Uh, the R1 does feel like an R6 in a lot of ways, just a little bit more power. Let's fast forward to uh, to Road Atlanta in our opening round. You're going to be racing Supersport there. Can you fill us in a little bit about your program? Yeah, so um, it's definitely a work in progress. Um, about five weeks ago, uh, Shiloh called me. Uh, Shiloh's my crew chief from the last couple of years. Um, and uh, she told me that we we're unable to continue the super sport program this year. Um, we had everything kind of lined up, but the last little bit of funds that we had to run the year, just, they just couldn't get it to happen. So, um, that was tough to hear. Uh, but it took me about five minutes of like moping. And then after five minutes, it was just like, what's it going to take to get me on the grid? Um, 
So I made some phone calls and um, in the end, you know, I ended up getting an R6 and I uh, got an R6. I got some people to help me with parts. Um, I spoke to uh, KWS Motorsports in South Carolina, Mike Godin. He helped me put the bike together. Tony Romo had a motor built for me over the winter uh, from last year that was just going to be like a practice motor that we were going to have this year. And now it's going to end up being my race motor. Um, I spoke to Stefano Mesa of Mesa 37 Racing. Uh, I've got a good relationship with them. I've known them for years. And um, I asked them if I could pit with them, if I could share some of their stuff. And they did that and more. You know, they're offering me a lot of help. Um, a place to stay, a place to, you know, tools to use and everything like that. Um, I've got a few people that are going to be part of my crew that um, I've known for years and I feel have, uh, you know, helped me a lot and, and really are going to enjoy this uh, first round at, at Moto America, Road Atlanta. Uh, they're really enjoyable to be around and um, they're really smart people. <laughs> so. I tried my best. I tried my best to get out there. You know, I have some people, you know, paying for entries, paying for this kind of stuff, and um, every little bit helped, and, and I'm able to get out there. You know, Xavier, this is precisely the reason why we wanted to have you on. I, 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 you know, heard about this and talked to Michael Coppolis a little bit, who I know knows you pretty well, and uh, you know, we discussed some things. I said, oh, we got to get him on the podcast so we can kind of have an urgent plea out there or something. <laughs> but he is it true that you're set for Atlanta and possibly VR, but beyond that, you're not sure what's going on. Yeah. Um, so over the last four weeks, I did the best that I could. You know, I am not a marketing guy. I'm not a I've had a lot of help over the years getting sponsors and everything. So now I've had to take it upon myself to do a lot of those things. Um, and uh, it has not been without its bumps in the road because the last four weeks have been really rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I went to Coda and Coda was kind of, it was planned before uh, the whole N2 uh, deal fell through. Um, I, over the winter I went, to homestead three times and i was uh going to do some testing there and all three times i had some sort of mechanical failure with the bike so i got maybe a total of 10 laps over the off season and then i needed surgery in my wrist um kind of around daytona time so from basically from laguna in october until now i haven't been able to do much riding um and so the urgency for me to go to dakota test was super high uh so i spoke to chris i spoke to shiloh um, I ended up borrowing a bike uh, to go down there and I flew Shiloh out and she was going out there to work with me. Um, I flew a couple of other guys that were there to help me and um, I drove down there with, you know, a friend of mine, Darren, um, who's basically my neighbor at home and he helps me work on all my dirt bikes and everything. And he's a really, really awesome guy. Him and his wife, really, really good hearted people. And um we drove out in the van, in my van that's got 230,000 miles on it. It's 2012 Ford E150 <laughs> cargo van. Uh, people call it the candy van. I don't know why, but. Does it have really... any windows? Maybe that's why. Yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> so, no, I know. I know why. I just pretend not to know why. Yeah, I get but, it. Okay. <laughs> but, but the story behind that, you know, it's a cargo van and it's not supposed to have windows, but in New York City, um, 
a cargo van is a commercial vehicle unless it's registered otherwise. And ours isn't registered as a commercial vehicle, but when you drive on the parkway, it looks like a commercial vehicle and the cops will pull you over. And I'm in New York City all the time. So um, the cops will pull you over and they'll be like, they'll check your light, their, your license of registration. They'll be like, oh, it's not a commercial vehicle. And then they'll let you go. So to stop getting pulled over, uh, my dad and I took a grinder or, or a Dremel and cut some submarine windows in the back. And uh, however that works, <laughs> it wards off the cops because they're like, oh, it's got windows. It's not a commercial vehicle, you know. So we stopped getting pulled over. So now it's the candy van. It went from the, a nice white van, nice white cargo van, race van, and now it's the candy van. <laughs> so we took the candy van down to Texas. Uh, it was about an 1,800-mile trip. Um, it made it there, thankfully. We had a bike in the back. Um, Shiloh had some other obligations, so she couldn't come down and drive and enjoy the long drive with us. So I was able to fly her out. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I did all this with some of my uh, piggy bank money, I guess, lying around. Wow. That's committed. <laughs> so, uh, but I really wanted to do that because there wasn't a lot of time uh, before the start of the season to uh, ride. You know, um, there weren't a lot uh, more opportunities. And um, because the race bike was still getting worked on and everything, it was just like, let's just go down there. I borrowed an R6 that was pretty well set up. And, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, two days before we left, I got the call that um, uh, the Supersport program was going to be discontinued. Uh. And so, yeah, so we went down there and um, we still did our thing and we rode and uh, I got as much time as I could on the bike. And um, yeah, it ended up being all right. Um, I really enjoy riding at Coda and it was nice to be out there with the people that I I'm trying to race against this year. Tell me, it must be when you, when your program's kind of up in the air, so to speak, and you've got this opportunity to go to road Atlanta, does it, do you feel, is there a lot more pressure on you? You're like, Oh man, I got to get a good result so we can keep going. Or is it, is that not the case? Um, I mean, sure. That's something that's on it on, that would be on anybody's minds. Uh, for me, I, I'm honestly going there to really enjoy myself. Um, I've had an awesome last couple of years uh, with N2. Um, I really enjoyed riding with them. Last year, the, in the beginning of the year, started out kind of rough. Uh, we had some issues with the bike that was robbing us of horsepower, you know, and burning up motors. But once we got things figured out about halfway through the year at the Ridge, we started going pretty well. Um, and I learned a lot. Uh, I learned a lot working from them. I learned a lot about myself. And um, now it's just another opportunity, you know, in the face of adversity to learn more about myself and um, fighting to be in a paddock. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I'll take it guns blazing. <laughs> I don't want you to take this in any other way other than a compliment, but I don't, it's like, I have a hard time understanding, like, why doesn't, it, it seems like your career hasn't matched your speed, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, I don't absolutely. know, it, like I've seen you show up at places and just right away be fast and be fast the entire time. I've seen you win races by big margins, I, I think, and I might be wrong, but I think you showed up at VIR in like your first twins race and you just killed everybody. So <laughs> I've seen these performances and then, but, but the career hasn't matched those. Do you, do you know why? Do you know what, what, what's happened there or, or, or 
am I, am I wrong? No, I, um, I agree with you hundred percent. And, uh, this is something that I'm myself, uh, you know, taking in charge to kind of write because I feel like a lot of people have believed in me over the years and a lot of people have, have done a lot for me out of the goodness of their heart, you know, through like, it was like a parent child relationship. I would say with most of the people that have helped me over the years, my sponsors, you know, unconditional love, you know, they would come in, they would help me. And then when it was time to move on, they would kind of let me go and push me up and let me take on the next task. And yeah, I mean, I will say that I don't necessarily believe in luck. I know a lot of people say that I have bad luck or there's a cloud above me or whatever, but um, I've had a lot of good opportunities and some of them didn't go the way that they should have. Um, but it is what it is. The past is the past. And I always look forward and I always keep pushing because um, honestly, it doesn't take much to just flip the switch. You know, and once you're over the hill, everything just starts flying from there. So uh, that's, I still have faith in that for my career. Um, and yeah, I've, like I said, like, or like you said, I've had some really, really, really good races and some, some pretty poor ones. So, um, in the end, you know what, it's up to me. And like I said, I'm going to, I'm taking, I'm taking this challenge with, you know, clenched with two fists and, uh, <laughs> yeah. You no, know, unfortunately, Xavier, though, this is sort of, this happens. And, and, you know, I think of situations like, well, J Josh Heron, after the year he had in moto two, didn't go the way he'd hoped. And, you know, he showed up at, at the la the final round of our season at New Jersey. And a lot of it has to do with this idea of putting yourself in the window, so to speak. Uh, you know, we've seen that happen with a lot of riders here and there. And, you know, it was great that you were at Coda. You put yourself in the window. You certainly showed yourself um, when you go to Atlanta, I mean, obviously you're going to be going for it. I know, and you're a talented writer. So that's another chance to, for you to put yourself there for people to see what kind of talent you have or remind them about that. Does it, when you were at Coda and, and heading into Atlanta, do you feel any additional pressure that, you know, I've got to prove myself here because if I don't, if I don't do well, you know, my, my career may not continue. Is that tough for you to deal with? Um, I personally don't like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really see it that way. And I think it's good not to see it that way. I think it's good to see it as just, uh, you know, when you start from zero and everything's positive, um, it's just another opportunity for me to prove myself, you know, zero not being there and being there is anything above zero. So it's anything of, you know, everything can be positive and, um, yeah, I'm just going to do my best. Uh, Honestly, I have a lot of faith in myself, um, and uh, I know the people around me have had a lot of faith in, in me as well, uh, and that gives me a lot of confidence, and as much as I really, 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 really want to keep racing, it's not the end of the world, you know, if uh, I can't finish off the season, um, but no matter what, as long as I can take whatever I learned from the first round, first two rounds that I plan on doing, and learn from it take whatever I can learn and just give it my absolute 100%. I don't think there can be anything negative resulting from the weekend other than my uh, credit card that, because, uh, yeah. well, okay. So, <laughs> so I borrowed the bike at Coda and then, you know, I was like, all right, now it's time. I have to get a motorcycle. So I got my first credit card and it's a Yamaha credit card. And um, I went to the dealership and I bought a 2020 R6 and I ripped it apart. 
uh, in Darren's garage, my neighbor's garage. He works on bikes all the time, like I said. And uh, we took all the street plastics off, put them in the, in the attic. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> paid it back at the end of the year so that we'll be like, yeah, this thing doesn't have that many miles on it, you know? Barely <laughs> um, used. Yeah, lightly used, right? But, uh, and actually, um, yeah, so uh, Miles from Street Comp, Street Competition, uh, he's helped me get a lot of parts for it in a really short amount of time. Uh, Thermos Man from uh, Thermos Man Suspension, he's helped me get suspension for it. I mean, Graves uh, hooked me up with a couple of pipes. And um, I went to CMP, Carolina Motorsports Park, for the CCS race a couple of weeks ago to shake the thing down. Um, I did a couple of practice sessions and, uh, <laughs> about the first or yeah, the first race on Sunday, the third lap in, I had no brakes going down the back straightaway, fifth gear, jumped off the bike. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I got the first crash out of the way on that bike much, much sooner than I expected. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, remarkably the bike, you know, was not horrible, but uh, there was quite a work, quite quite a bit of damage done to it. So I took it to my Kopolos's house. Uh, he was about two hours away, and the bike was full of sand. Oh. Um, I took it all apart, down to the frame, um, washed everything out, uh, put it back together, um, and went to a track day last weekend. Or actually, no, I finished the last couple of days, uh, Thursday and Friday. I went to KWS. Uh, he opened up a bay for me. He was pretty busy. Um, we, uh, just finished working on the bike. I got some of his help to kind of finish it, finish it up and get some more expertise on, you know, where to put certain things, how to do certain things. Cause you know, I'm not going to even attempt to do something that I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure I'm, I'm capable of doing, especially working on motorcycles that can kill you. Um, and, uh, I was, I managed to get out for a track day, you know, five days after I jumped off the bike, fifth gear, no brakes. Uh, that was the first time that's ever happened to me, and I've seen it happen a couple of times, you know, MotoGP with Vinales or Spargo. And um, that was – I always wondered what I was going to do if I ever was put in that scenario, and I guess I uh, was really happy with what I did because I jumped, you know, I just about ran out of asphalt, and before I got into the gravel, I jumped off. Um, the bike flew into the gravel, but I jumped off before it could have gotten pretty bad, and I – got up and I was relatively unscathed, which is, wow. it's, yeah, I'm really thankful for that. <laughs> but, uh, that's just a little bump in the road of, you know, the road to road Atlanta. <laughs> uh, and that wasn't something I needed, but you know what, like I said, five days, um, just committed being in the garage, taking the thing apart, putting it back together. Papalos helped me quite a bit. And then KWS, Mike Godin, he helped me quite a bit. Um, and uh, I was back out there for a track day to shake this thing down again. And luckily that was a uneventful good weekend. <laughs> so. That's terrific. Well, my next question is you obviously have the credit card and now it's got a balance and do you have a real job and reels in, in air quotes, by the way, do you have a real job that, <laughs> that pays for this stuff or, or is it, are you banking on the racing to make that happen? Um, so I do a lot of like little things on the side. Uh, I tutor. Um, I, wow. when I was 14, I uh, got a job at a auto, at a um, cabinet shop and I was a draftsman for, you know, drafting cabinets on AutoCAD and, um, you know, blueprints and stuff like that. And I, that was my summer job for a few years. And after that, I was able to 
turned that into a little bit of a freelance thing. So I've done that for a little bit, you know, on and off whenever as needed. That wasn't the kind of career that I was um, looking to do, but it was something that got me by, you know, after high school and uh, a little bit with racing because that was something I could do when I'm traveling. Um, I just started getting into more of the 3D stuff because that's a little bit more interesting to me. And uh, I'm pursuing a degree in electrical engineering. So I thought it would be fitting to get into a field where it was more related to, you know, what I'm studying. And uh, a good friend of mine who used to race, uh, his name is Jimmy. Uh, He lives about an hour from me. Um, I work with him basically whenever I'm not racing. I work with him. I'm his assistant and uh, I'm, he's, his apprentice really uh he's taught me a lot about um working on these machines they're called electron microscopes i don't know if you've heard of them yeah uh but yeah they're really 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 cool (laughs) really cool really complicated um i've learned so much working with him um and uh that's something i do in the winter in between races um hang out with him, uh, travel with him. You know, he's one of five people maybe in the country who knows as much as he does. And, uh, anytime for me, valuable or knowledge like that is invaluable. So to hang out with someone like that and learn from them, I think is just, you know, an amazing opportunity. So thank you, Jimmy, for, for giving me that opportunity. <laughs> what, I mean, what you, I would have, what do you tutor Xavier? What, who do you tutor in, in what? So tutoring, I just kind of over the last few months was another thing that I kind of got into, um, and, uh, I, um, so I don't know if you're familiar with advanced placement classes, AP classes, right? Yes. So, uh, My I wife's took, a teacher, so she, oh, really? she wow. teaches, yeah, yeah. yeah I, took, I took a few AP classes in school and, um, I tutor calculus and chemistry and that's kind of, I've started off doing it a little bit more with, uh, um, people that I knew, uh, friends of mine or you know, I have a lot of older friends, right, grown-ups <laughs> who have kids and stuff. So um, I started off doing that, like, not for money or anything, just to help. And um, some of them, out of pity, have given me some money. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, that I've done a little bit of that. And I actually – that was one of the reasons why I was able to go to CODA, too. So um, thank you. Uh, thank you to my students. <laughs> that's that's terrific. Yeah, my wife teaches an advanced course in – uh, in middle school in uh, language arts, but man, I'll tell you, chemistry, chemistry is what got me to not be a biology major when I went to college. I went for that and I couldn't get past chemistry. I mean, I can't titrate something to save my life and um, <laughs> terrible. I, that's all hats off to you to be able to do that. Um, I want to go back. Let's talk a little bit more about your racing because I want to go back and touch upon again, kind of what I was saying in that pressure. I was wondering if you were feeling but you, you know, we've been been doing these interviews with some of the riders to talk to them and ask them like what they think about on the start line. And it sounds like with you, when you get out on a race track, you kind of put a lot of stuff out of your mind and you just, you're going to go as fast as you can, no matter where, or what you're doing. Is that, is that accurate? Yep. Um, I know um, when I was younger, I definitely, I mean, I still do get pretty nervous, but when I was younger, I got really nervous before races. And um, I used to always think about all these things, like all these different scenarios and whatever. And I still kind of do, but um, I've learned to kind of just put that out of my head. And just like when I show up on the grid, I really just, it's just about gritting my teeth and just, you know, going for it. Um, But also I think my best races have always been where I'm a little bit, you know, smarter, more laid back keep the heart rate down 
um, and just like let the race come to me. And it that takes some of the pressure off when you're lining up on the grid when you're just like, you know what, I'm going to get a good start. And I've always been pretty good at getting starts, so I know I can put myself in a good position on the first couple laps, get a good start, and just like let the race come to me. And um, that's definitely more of what I feel like is my style of, of racing, and especially with longer races. You know, I, I like longer races. Um, I think uh, I, I work really hard uh, physically, you know, to keep fit. And um, I've had I've had struggles over the years with tire wear and, you know, keeping a tire under me. Um, and I've faded a couple of times. Well, not a couple of times, but, you know, I've had struggles at the end of races before, and I've worked really, really hard on that. Um, but I can definitely tell you it's not because of fitness. It's not because of a lack of focus. And um, it's just uh, – yeah, but overall, I I love the end of the race where you just have to kind of grit your teeth and just go for it. And I kind of like letting the race come to me. Like I said, that when you have that mindset before you start on the grid, that kind of takes some of the pressure off because you're not like just like excited and in a rush. You know, you're just like, you know what, keep your heart rate down, keep calm and, and the race will come to you. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever talked to Josh Hayes about this, but I have a fair amount that, you know, in earlier in his career and pretty much throughout his career, endurance racing was pretty, pretty important part of what he did. I mean, he went to Lamont at one point and um, Chris Parrish, I've talked to a twins cup rider about that a, a fair amount and how it teaches you to kind of deal with what you have to deal with on the track and, and obviously seat time. That's so important. And it, it's cool that you've done so much endurance racing. It, it clearly shows that it's helped with your talent level. Um, you know, when you do a sprint race, does it feel like it's over quicker than it ought to be sometimes? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, that's yep. what I kind of figured. I was, like, yeah. I was like, man, the white flag already. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned about your heart rate. So obviously you're, you're focused on your fitness. What kind of a fitness program do you have? Do you ride bicycles like some of the other riders do? Or what, what do you do to stay in shape? Um, so I live, I grew up in Queens in New York City. Um, and we moved... Uh, about five years ago, I live with my parents. So we moved about five years ago, um, upstate about 60 miles. My parents still work in the city. So they get up early every morning to beat the traffic, to get to work in the city. Um, 60 miles North of the city, you have some really, really, really beautiful roads, um, to cycle on, to run on a lot of elevation. Um, in the springtime now, like the magnolia trees smell like amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot of forsythia bushes, which are those yellow flowers, you know, and uh, springtime cycling is just amazing up there. So I love, I love cycling. Um, I'm not like a cycling freak because I like to do like a lot, of, a lot of different things and um, cycling for like hours and hours on end is tough when you have a lot of other things to do, <laughs> but I, I cycle quite a bit every week. Um, I run quite a bit every week. Um, when it's raining and when the wet, when the weather's crappy, um, I have a rower, I row, you know, I do all that stuff. Cardio is really important. Um, and then, you know, your standard strength training, um, all that good stuff. Wow. So you do actually a lot. So Xavier, you said 60 miles. Um, you know, I'm, I'm originally from New York state, but as far away from New York city as you can get up in the Adirondacks, but, uh, you, I've, I've talked to you about this and I can never quite place it. Are, is that Dutchess County or is that further north? Dutchess County. I think Dutchess County is, is south. Um, okay, that's Poughkeepsie Orange area. County. Okay. Uh, oh, no, you're right. Yeah, Dutchess County is on the east side of the river. And yes. I'm on the west side, just on the west side. Like I can see the river from my house. 
So are you uh, fairly close to where PJ's from? Yep. Uh, PJ's from Montgomery. He, he lives in Montgomery, and he's maybe 10 miles from my house. <laughs> wow. And I think um, Justin Barsh is from that area too, isn't he? Um, Justin Barsha is, yeah. Yeah, some, I think he's, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't live here now, obviously. He's in Florida now, but I think he used to be in Montgomery. So it's yep. interesting that all you guys, you know, and and I know you've done a fair amount of flat track. I don't know if there's flat track in that area, but, you know, around where Kyle Wyman is from and James Rispoli in Western New York, there's quite a bit of flat track. I know you do it. Did you, is it, and PJ does too. So is it, is there some of that in the area where you live? Um. They're a square deal. I do quite a bit of flat track. I haven't raced too much. Um, so I'm not 100% uh, familiar with a lot of the organizations and stuff around here, but I know that, or around New York rather, right. but I know that a uh, square deal uh, riders are like, they're probably like two hours north of where I live now. I've been there a couple times. Um, that's a pretty big series that they have. Um, Oakland Valley Race Park has a short track a practice short track and they have a go-kart track and that's about 45 minutes from my house and uh, oh, go-kart track, i ride there quite a bit um and uh yeah it's it's i know that there's a lot of people a lot of flat track really really fast flat trackers james just um, right you kyle Wyman, of course uh that are from around here um so yeah <laughs> that's cool what about ice racing do you do any of that i've ice raced or i've ridden on the ice twice and uh <laughs> It was really, really fun. It was a little bit cold, too cold for my liking, in my opinion. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was cool. I'd never raced or anything. Okay, in case you didn't, in case you didn't notice, Sean, I think, is a geography um, <laughs> consultant, and uh, he teaches young kids, uh, you know, what parts of New York people are from. Yeah, so, I'm a tutor. Yeah, that's uh, that's the word I was looking for. He's a <laughs> he's a tutor like you are. So you guys have a lot in common. So that's that's kind of cool. <laughs> awesome. So I was just gonna say, I think we're you know I think we're get. I know we didn't have a you know we had a limited amount of time with you, Xavier, because you got to get over to Carolina Motorsports Park. But I mean, how great is that? You're going to be riding this weekend, and then you're going to be at Road Atlanta next weekend. So you'll have uh, you'll get some seat time coming up. So you know that that's terrific. I, I, you know, and and obviously what you did at Coda. I mean, more of that at Road Atlanta, and you know, I think you're going to get noticed, and it's it's going to work out. Um, you know, you're, you're too good a rider not to be out there for our entire series. So um, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm going to do my best. And I mean, overall, I know road racing has been kind of in a tough uh, place for the last years, you know, 10 or so years, but, uh, thank you Moto America for bringing it back to life and, um, doing your best because, uh, it's, I feel like it's going somewhere and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really nice to watch. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. So I think we're pretty much at the end here. I wanted to uh, mention, though, it's funny, you know, last year, Xavier, I, I joked with you, but uh, I'm sure you remember this. I got the audience going on pronouncing your name, Xavier, and <laughs> yeah. that was a lot of fun. So you were at our, you were at our event. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You were at our event last year at Gainesville Square, and we're doing it again um, this coming, well, a week from today, actually, we'll be there. I don't know if, are you going to be showing up again, Xavier? I guess so. 
Sounds okay, like good. Good. Michael Hill will be there taking my place and he's even better. He'll probably try to get you to sing or something like that. But um, I wanted to mention that because it's in downtown Gainesville and uh, Xavier was there last year and we're hoping for a, a bigger turnout this year now that COVID's, you know, kind of been tamped down a little bit, but there are restaurants right on that square and we're going to have tables set up and um, autograph sessions and lots of different fun things. You get to meet these riders and talk to them a little bit more. Um, and, uh, you know, and Xavier will be there and then come out to the track for the weekend. And if you haven't got your tickets yet, go to MotoAmerica.com and get your race week weekend tickets for Road Atlanta or any of our um, rounds coming up. That Round one starts next week and then we go to VIR after that and it goes on from there. And also please uh, subscribe to Moto America Live Plus, our subscription streaming service. Um, wherever you are, you can uh, get the streaming service and watch practices, qualifying races, um, all of our stuff. It's, it's almost, it's pretty much the next best thing to, to being there. You don't get the smells of the race gas and all that, but you definitely get all the other senses when you're on uh, Live Plus. So again, thanks for having us on, Xavier. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you next week. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. Be safe and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Sean.